everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson, and today I'm not joined by my brother from another mother. No, in fact, he is out of town. But we have a replacement co-host that is very special and near and dear to my heart. I've worked with him on Versus Live. I've playtested with him with Pro Tours. I even teamed with him on Team Genesis. But the best part, and since we're talking about Modern Horizons 2 today, I worked with him on Modern Horizons 2. I bet you can guess who it is. That's right. It is Michael Majors. Michael Majors, how's it going, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I thought that was you're definitely just gonna go, it's Brian Braun doing and just and just go in that oh, way. No, I mean, we I don't think we overdo that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not overdoing the joke if it's the brand. I mean, yeah, I mean to be fair, this 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 podcast does have a special guest. It, it's um, it's true. Yeah, we have someone with us, and uh, that person, you know, I wanted to bring in someone because of Modern Horizons. It is someone that uh, worked on Modern Horizons with me. I, I also worked with him on Versus Live. I did play test up with him on Pro Tours, and he was even on Team Genesis with me. Um, that, it, yeah, you kind of spoiled it. It's Brian. What's up, Brian? What's <laughs> up? <laughs> How's it going? It, it's great. It, you know, it's an honor to be here with uh, legendary host of the podcast, uh, Michael Majors, of course. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you're you're now one of the like exclusive. I think you're like the fifth uh, host of the Bachelors podcast. How does it feel? Really? Oh, wow. OK, I thought I was, uh, you know, way in the double digits by now. But that is that is. Oh, no, people don't like us. Uh, oh, word. OK, well, I like you guys. So I'm excited <laughs> to be Great. here. Awesome. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm, we're happy to have you. It's also, it's been over a year since I've seen you. Also, you're one of the last people I've seen. Which, yeah, it's really surreal <laughs> to say that out loud. I don't know if I even, I've talked to you on the phone a couple of times. I don't know if I've even heard yeah. Brian's voice in 18 months or whatever, however know, long it's been. It's so weird. Like, I, I, I went into, I mean, I think I told the story in the podcast, but like I went in to get my uh, vaccine like last month or whatever. And I, it was like just a weird feeling. I was like, this is one of the first times I'm just in a group situation with a bunch of random people like i don't know it's such a weird thing i tried to i tried to do small talk with someone at the vaccine place and i failed <laughs> miserably and, and then and then i went and i'm like okay well that was weird and then i went oh i'm gonna pretend to go shop while i shake this anxiety up and then i was like in my head not knowing what section of the place that i was in and i was in the adult diaper section you just like went up just, to someone and you're like 73 degrees and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> a day, how good are you doing? So you, it was just the muscle memory. You just went straight to the adult diaper section, just not thinking about it. No, I, I swear I did that. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, I was just standing around perusing and and then I was like, oh, shit, these are adult diapers. I'm going to change change lanes here. <laughs> oh, I'm going to change. Yeah, that was, <laughs> if, 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 I'm, I'm really impressed. I, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or like just impeccable timing, but but we don't we don't have to go into it. <laughs> okay, well we can get into Modern Horizons too because uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Brian Brian and I, uh, well everyone knows this part because we talk about it all the time and we don't have new listeners. But Brian and I um, worked on Modern Horizons last year, and Michael Majors, you were actually part of the Watsi team organizing this unique Future Future League. Um, and so for a refresher, it was, uh, Dan Musser, Zach Elsick, and you from wizards and then Sam black, Brian Brandon and me from, uh, the previous, you know, pro magic scene. Yep. That was a, it was definitely a kind of a unique experiment at the time. And 
you know, who, who knows how things are going to be going forward. And obviously the pandemic's kind of just thrown off a lot of processes and things along those lines. But well, I mean, that's a nice way to say things, but I do know that whenever I'm the first to do something, it fails from the start. I mean, gr <laughs> Grinder, the Brad Nelson story was supposed to be a series. Oh, I never knew that. I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, no one knew that. Rich knew that. And then and then I crushed those dreams. <laughs> nah, it sounds like he probably just like lost motivation or something. I think it probably had nothing to do with you. Oh, probably didn't. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's a good way to say that. Um, well, you're here and he's not on the podcast, so it, it seems appropriate. <laughs> That's true. I made it rich. Take that. Uh, but yeah, no. So so we worked up on Horizons and we were there for 20 days in the office. I guess I would say 15 days in the office, then five were unique. Uh, and we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, we didn't even know what we were going to be working on until the week we got there. Oh, I, to uh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, like I totally was like kind of blindsided. I was like, they want me to come work on something. I'm assuming it's standard, right? And I get there right. and it's like this format I haven't looked at for an entire year because like uh, being part of the MPL meant that we played standard until our eyes bled. And and so I wasn't looking at any other formats forever. Also, I guess I did didn't go to the, the modern pro tour. Um. <laughs> oh, was that that was the one where uh, you had the issue getting on the flight? That is it. Yep, my passport yeah. expired. Uh, it was the first time I've ever like went like, oh, I'm gonna spare no extra time. I'm just gonna go to the tournament and play in it and see how I do with jet lag. And they're like, well, you can't get on the flight, Michael. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, Corey's still daggering Brad about that to this very day. So really, weekly. It is, oh, oh yeah, it is a very time honored tradition on the Bachelors podcast to. Oh, that's not very nice to, to dagger Brad about that. Well, but then I dagger him for him missing the regional pro tour because of flight issues. <laughs> 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 Everyone's got a bad travel story. It's just, you know, sometimes it's getting to the pro tour. Yeah. And and then missing worlds by one point. I didn't bring that part up. That was all you. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, at least the person that I would have beaten out won the whole thing and, you know, changed their career forever and is considered the best player in the world now. Was this 2016? I must have missed the contact. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, going back to Modern Horizons 2. Yeah, we, we got there on Monday, uh, the first day, and we just got told, you know, told what we we're doing, and we got dumped this Modern Horizons 2 file. And I'm guessing like every first day or two for anyone is just reading a bunch of cards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely, you know, as we alluded to, it's, it's certainly a unique experience for us as folks working internally where it's like it's really difficult to test for modern, which I think is probably obvious to anyone who is listening and has, you know, at least abreast of competitive magic. But and is uh, a reasonable person and, and you know, and, and is rational and willing to uh, be empathetic towards the plight of others. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, has which, to be which, said yeah, quite often. So. <laughs> which, which is a pretty high bar for folks these days, but I digress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a thing where it was like, you know, a lot of leadership came to me and Dan, who would be uh, co-leading the FFL together. Although Aaron Forsyth was the, the final say as far as like leading the set. Um, it'd be like, well, this is basically an impossible task where we need to test this format that's super hard to test and make a bunch of new cards and excite people. Um, and simultaneously, we kind of have to like 
spin up these new folks who are super talented magic players but are novice designers so basically my bar was like well just please give me people who i have relationships with because i feel like that's the only way this is even feasible so obviously i knew both of you guys i've talked to sam at least a dozen times and in deep conversations that one has with sam um Mm -hmm. and you know you guys are, are are super brilliant at magic and Despite all of that talent, it is, it is still an extremely imposing task, but I'm, I'm really pleased with how it went. Yeah, I mean, I it, it was super overwhelming and I had doubts for a lot of the days, honestly, like about halfway through. I just fake it till you make it uh, was was kind of my motto that entire process, because it was like it's so much more difficult than I thought it would be, honestly, because there's just a million iterations, a million moving pieces. And I mean, like, I think you probably brought up last episode, Brian, like there was just a card that we kind of let, you know, we ignored for a while and we tried it in the last week and it was broken. Yep. You know, and, and it would have, it would have negatively impacted modern badly. And it was just not really easy to spot. Yeah. I was even brought up last week's episode. Like there, there was a card that um, ended up getting doubled in its mana costs. Not, not supposed to be for constructed play really that just, we, like uh, threw into a deck in the third week and ended up just being like incredibly good. Uh, yeah, sign of Draco. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's called... not true. Yeah. No, it's, it's not true. But... Just, just fetch, get a dual play a sign of Draco, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah that, that's, that's... I mean, that, that's it. You know, that's exactly how it can go where it's like, you know, you have, you have limited person hours, you have priorities and specific goals with certain cards and themes to deliver on your experience and it's like you spend so much time or not even really so much time just the time that you have trying to massage those things and deliver a good experience for people that's like sometimes things get left in the dust so you know that due diligence in the final hours is super important just to be like you know let's get the gut check like do we try everything at least once and do we you know We'll never be able to draw a valid sample, so to speak, because as soon as people start playing with the cards in the first hour, they've played more hours than we have. But that that's where, you know, the combination of being a you know a strong magic player and just having a strong intuition about like the possibilities of things is really important, where it's like I have to take my my very small uh, experience and extrapolate it and kind of just make educated guesses about what could happen in the future and is this a positive or a negative thing for people yeah, yeah no I- that was one thing i found interesting sorry to jump in here but um like one uh, one of like i felt like kind of the recurring themes when we were there for the month was that like at least for brad and i we uh probably sam too like we had a very much like competitive player focus on things where it's like you know like we're thinking about you know like like somebody playing this in a GP or somebody playing this in this. And I felt like you were often a stabilizing voice in like saying like, well, there's more ways to play magic than just in a GP, you know, like the, than just the competitive way. Like there's other players out there besides just the super competitive people. I don't know if you want to talk about like that at all. Yeah. I mean, I think that is certainly the hardest part for, ex-pro magic players jumping into the role is like you know a a lot of this is i you know maybe i've never played commander in my life or i've only played commander a couple times um 
or it's just been a long time since I've gone to an F&M or a pre-release and it's like, well, the reality of the situation is that those are the avenues in which players are going to consume magic the most. So trying to both optimize for the competitive mindset, the competitive player, and of course, trying to have the competitive health of the game be as, as strong as possible. But also just realizing that like you can make some small tweaks that just increase the net fun in the ecosystem substantially. So trying to be aware of those things, trying to be aware of the various types of audiences that you're trying to deliver you know, game pieces for. And really, at the end of the day, it's just like, let's let's try to make people happy. Like, this is a game. This is a game that we love for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, our, our path has taken a more competitive turn. But at the end of the day, this is a game that people are super passionate about and delivering the best experience for them is, is the best we can do. Yeah, I think I think my biggest breakthrough while I was there was I don't remember who said it. Because, um, well, one of the first things I learned in the first week is that I can just ask these like you know, very experienced people, Aaron and you and, and, and the rest of the team, all these questions and get these like really well thought answers that would take me months to figure out on my own, you know? Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was really cool. So, so realizing that I have this resource, I was just throwing questions out there. Right. And one that came back that was great was as a competitive magic player, wizards will dump sets on me. And that is the rule set that I have to apply to my competitive life until new cards get developed or cards get banned or new technologies, you know, but like, like Urza's always going to produce seven mana and Karn's always going to cost seven mana. And my brain thinks like that, you know, but like here, you know, part of design is creating cards that don't always create an exact situation like that. Um, and, and the best example I have is like unmarked grave, which is colorless black sorcery, search your library for a non-legendary card put that into your graveyard then shuffle and then persist which is return a legendary creature for colorless black or sorry return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter on it for colorless black the first time i saw those cards is like why do they have this restriction well it's because if they don't the gameplay will always be get gristle brand put it into play there is no unique factor really you might go get iona or something for certain situations but it's it's kind of like legacy reanimator where it does the same thing every game and there is no cool deck building around it anymore it's just figuring out the new rules and applying them to your deck and so like i loved seeing that about new card design where it's like not trying to create the same scenarios over and over and over again but giving people tools to create totally new worlds in deck building and some of those tools like were in the set too you know it's like Ar archon of cruelty sarah's emissary uh, for example, were two cards that I know that I personally tested a, a ton with while while I was there um, as non legendary options that somebody like might want to get with uh, with those cards. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great highlight of a couple things. Like, you know, certainly in our sets, even though like Horizon products are kind of like a you know a who's who of various themes and jokes and references and just like cool nostalgic stuff. It's like the cuts are so deep in this one too. Right. Like we still want to deliver on like a pretty coherent experience. Right. So it's like, if we're going to do some reanimator cards, like let's make sure that you're not tricked. Right. It's like if, if I open uh persist in a, in a draft or whatever, it's like there, there's something here. Like I can do something with it. Um, also to, to your points, like, if we if we just make a certain subset of cards that like have an obvious solve like that's not interesting for competitive players that's not interesting for casual players it's like 
what's the point we're just like injecting raw power so you know and sometimes it, it doesn't always work out perfectly but the goal there was like you know to, to your point deliver on a on a range of experiences that'll be fun for people that's not super solved um but also just like kind of expand the carpool of modern in some ways yeah um and and that was actually really um that that gets me to like my cards now i wasn't on last week's episode because i got my shot and it really messed me up i was trying to do the podcast i was in the pre-show but then i was just too sick um so i didn't really get to talk about my favorite things but i guess they weren't even spoiled yet but that's the merfolk um i don't know when i became the merfolk guy there um aaron likes <laughs> aaron said that he gave me the job i don't know if i did get it but maybe i did but like I got sucked into this vacuum working on Svelun and Tide Shaper for I don't even know how many hours. I like to make jokes that like Wizards has invested thousands of dollars into me just playing with Merfolk. Um, that sounds factual. It is very <laughs> factual, yeah. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that I, I really wanted out of Svelun was to have a very unconventional god thing because it's not really... Svelun didn't feel like a god to me. Like it can be a god, but it didn't feel like uh, the uh, constellation gods. And so we like toyed with a ton of different like ways to make it indestructible and a ton of different abilities and some were better than others. Um, I really tried to get opposition guys. I promise I tried to get it through, but no one would allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Merfolk opposition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was like, I think that's a, an interesting example of like, the audience might not read that card and and think like, oh, like the designers went through a bunch of iterations or there was like a, you know tons of love dropped into this card, but like we really did. Are spend you, so, a are you of... saying are you saying my base basic? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think like yeah, to, to your point, it's like so, and and we've already alluded to this a little bit. It's like how do we deliver on the experience of like. A merfolk god it's like well the, the lowest hanging fruit is like well we could replicate uh you know like theros's devotion scheme where it you know essentially isn't turned on until you have uh in devotion or whatever but and, and we did talk about that and i think we went through iterations that looked with like that scheme but ultimately was unsatisfying or like you know thoughts has seen fringe play in merfolk before so like i feel like we had conversations of let's try to actually like deliver on a unique experience and you know, a lot of work into this card. This card, you put a lot of work into this card, and I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, I am too. And I, I think there's a breakthrough finally. I don't remember. I think it. I think it looked very similar to how it does now. Um, but the breakthrough was the first time you and I were playing the dance where you're trying to, you know, terminate Svelun, but <clears throat> I have a mute vault up, and we're just having mm -hmm. this like mm -hmm. this this song and dance, and I was like, wow, this is this is actually fun gameplay. Right. Um, or or just like attacking it into a Tarmogoyf and it's like it's indestructible and I get to draw a card and we're kind of in this, sh you know, staring. So like I loved where this card got and I, I got to work on it a lot. Um, yeah. And so I, I do think that that's super interesting. Sorry to, to jump in, but it's to kind of go off of that or it's like, you know, somebody will look at this set and it's like some cards just kind of pop out more than others. Like, for example, the incarnation cycle um and stuff like that that whatever where like those are the cards that i see people talking about the most on like social media or whatever but sometimes i feel like or I, I just this is from just this one experience but it seemed like some of the cards that are maybe less talked about or whatever is where like we spent like such a huge bulk of our time or whatever like i felt like i spent a ton of time 
personally testing a card that is now like basically not even in the set at all. So like it, it's just really interesting to to be able to have gotten that experience where it's like like Brad was saying, Brad was like the Murfo guy the entire you know like a lot of the time that you were there, and it's like you know the Merfolk aren't really like the marquee cards of the set, but that was just the stuff that needed the most testing. It felt. Yeah. That and the artifact stuff. I, I, yeah. I played around a lot with like the, the thought monitors and the. Yeah. I like, yeah. I mean, Blitz, Blitzkrieg or Blitz, Blitzy. That's where I spent. Like, I mean, we, we tested artifacts in different ways. Like you were more of doing affinity stuff. And Zabaz, I was, yeah. I was more doing like Urza stuff. Like I, I played so much Urza when I was there. Because there were just all these different cards that were like a, a like a, kind of absurd with Urza that I don't know have gone through a lot of changes since then. But I don't know; it's just really interesting. I think absolutely, um, yeah. And, and I I think that's a thing that's hard for both uh, outside folks and even us to appreciate fully. Uh, us being designers, where it's like you know we spend a lot of time on these cards that aren't being discussed by tastemakers on social media aren't showing up in competitive deck lists but people still own those cards and still want to enjoy playing with them so it's like you don't really get the full feedback loop necessarily but like it still really matters that you put a lot of time and love into those cards so that they make people happy i also like i follow a lot of magic on social media and like most of the not all, but most of the cards I've seen, like I've seen multiple different varying opinions on most cards. Like people love certain cards that, that, that that's what shines to them. They don't even think they're like going to be like modern broken. They're just very happy. They exist now. And I, you know, so far I feel like, uh, you know, we, we had a small impact on the set. The set was like almost fully developed. I mean, it was fully designed almost by the time we got there and we helped, you know, future futurely develop it. Um, well, don't undersell yourself. I, I mean, well, you know, I don't want to undersell ourselves, but what I'm saying is that like, there was a lot of time put into the set, even more than just us while we were there. And so far I feel like, I feel like it's a complete success. People are like loving talking about it, hitting it. I'm so scared once people start playing modern though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's normal. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be frank. I am surprised to see how much love has been outpoured for the set which makes me super happy i, I don't want to undersell that it's just do you know todd anderson's talking about magic daily on his social media i don't it... remember the last time he's been this happy about magic honestly like i'm not trying to call out my boy like i'm i'm moving back to roanoke i'm gonna be hanging out with him i've already like rented out his hot tub you know like <laughs> um <clears throat> but he's he's fucking loving it and i'm seeing so many people loving cards on this set yeah i, I mean I, I you know i really hope once people actually have the cards in their hand they're happy but it's you know, it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I look at the set in a file and it's just, it's just so different looking at it through those, that lens and that context versus once you start to actually see like the cards come out and the, you know, the art and they're actually, you know, real magic cards. And then people start reacting to them. It's kind of like, oh, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that card because it wasn't super on my radar during the last, you know, two weeks I was working on the set or whatever, but like, man, this shit's cool or I'm really happy that that turned out that way because people seem to love it. And it's like, there's just such a huge divide between like when you're trying to figure out exactly the, you know, the numbers to put on a card, the text to put on a card in the final, you know, days or weeks versus like seeing them be real magic cards go out into the ecosystem. And it, it seems like MH2 is making people happy. So I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. That was, that was Titania for me. 
that thing came out and I was yep. like, I completely <laughs> forgot that that was even in the set. But I mean, it's not like we didn't play with it like we did, but it just that was something that we played with a lot, like on the earlier end of things. And like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a car that we're like, we have to tune numbers on. It was just should this be in there or not? So, right. And yeah. then there's a weird there's a weird balance, too. Now, I, I've got two things to bring up. And the first is we'll make it short because no one wants to talk about this. But it was companions because we knew companions were coming out. Sam really identified like we need to be working with them a lot. And he was right. Um, but at the same time, like, like I had the idea that if these things are what companions ended up being, that we should also ignore them because like they might not exist in the new world by the time the set comes out. And so dabbling a little bit with like Luris designs and non Luris designs of, of decks. That's what I thought about Titania because I had multiple different Jun decks. Right. Yeah, that that was uh, not like a huge pain point, I would say. But I but I think that was no, something that, no. that, that Sam and I uh, struggle with temporarily. It was just like, you know, you might be right, but these these things are out there. They're going to happen. Um, if there is problematic, as you say, then maybe a change will be enacted, which inevitably it did. He was right. But, uh, you know, our job <laughs> at that time was to make this set. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And 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 that we did. Especially now, now this is making me think of the squirrel day, but I want to, I want to switch gears for a second and talk about Aaron Forsyth. Cause for years I would go to pro tours and he would be there. And I, I, I had an idea of what Aaron Forsyth was like. So Aaron Forsyth was lead, uh, was it designer or lead? What, what role did he have for this? Uh, yeah, Official he, he, he's, he's the lead of the set. Okay. So he was the lead of the set and you know, he brought us in, we had a meeting on Monday morning with him. Um, but then he was, you know, busy businessman and he would move around the offices and come back and, hang out with us at X amount of the time. Um, but from all of my pro tour experience with him, I, I thought of him as kind of like not what I experienced there, which is a complete <laughs> passionate goofball. And I, I can't, I, I was so amazed by how much love and fun he still has about magic. Oh, like even, to, even to the point where he roped me into one of the lunches to play a stupid, like, like, old draft set team draft. I'm like, sure, I'll do this. But then we had a match to play and I was trying to dodge him from playing the match. He found my deck somewhere and then made me play on company time wizards. Just so you know, <laughs> you're like, damn it, Aaron, I have to go work on MH2. And he's like, no, we're finishing our fucking match. Yeah. Yeah. And then his deck was so much better than mine. So he really thought it was going to win, but I outplayed him and he got a little salty. You know? <laughs> I, I, I won't segue too hard into this, but I, I, I do think this is a great example of another disconnect that folks have with uh, people that work at Watsi. It's like, you might not agree with every decision we make and you know there's there's certainly a lot of factors that go into every decision but like at the end of the day the people that make magic are super passionate about magic like they love magic yeah. they want magic to be good dude that guy laughed harder than all of us he was cackling sometimes he was just like we'd have a you know a new design or a weird design of a cute card like let's just say a squirrel he just just would get so passionate and so excited in that room it was it was I don't know. It, it it made it made me happier to be there. It was crazy. It Absolutely. was not my expectation. Like I, I I thought for sure there would be some level of jadedness having done this for that long, you know. But that wasn't the case. So, oh, and just a well. Everyone just had all of you just had such a well of knowledge, and were just. I mean, it was such a cool experience. I'm so glad I got to do it. Um, fast yeah, forward, want... fast forward two months. It's like everyone's like. 
damn you, Brad Nelson. Spalin is the worst card we've ever played with. Like, this is I, the worst I was decision only the, I ever made to, to do this. Like, yeah, but that was Aaron's fault. Yeah, like <laughs> I was only there for a month, everyone, yes. and we were dealing with COVID. Don't play me. <laughs> I've got my excuses ready. Oh uh, yeah, I've been lining them up for days now. <laughs> um, no, like I, you know, like it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I thought, like there, you know, there's, there's some new things being introduced, like squirrels and, and the. Uh, the incarnation cycle and things like that. And like turning the knobs on knobs on those was really interesting because they, they had a lot of different iterations to try to be, to not be too good or bad or not to be unfun. You know, like there, there was times where we thought cards were going to be like, you know, I thought, I thought for example, like subtlety was going to be like way too good, but we built decks with it. And I was like, wow, I'm down cards. This sucks. You know? Yeah, and, I mean, and balancing, and I'm not saying they're all balanced, but like <laughs> they, they, they feel good to, they felt good to me at the time. Yeah, like it, like I see people losing their mind on solitude, and it's like I, I, I don't really even want to say anything because if I'm wrong, it's kind of bad. But it's like ah, you, if you figured out social media, my friend. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But it's like I, I almost feel like with that card, like because I played a lot with that one, um, and it's like. I felt like the cost to exile a white card from your hand to exile something was like much higher than people are making it out to be to where you mostly just didn't want to play it till the fifth turn. And then it was totally fine as a card, but it's like, we'll see if that's actually how it plays out. You know, that's, that was my experiences when I was working on the card and it, it didn't feel too powerful to me, you know, but we'll see. like, and yeah. modern's way different now too, you know. Like maybe modern is just so f so much faster that the effect is so much more powerful, and I don't know who knows. But. The, the way I view those types of cards, if we do our job properly, like you know, they're they're super exciting to read. They're very powerful. Um, they have a lot of flexibility, which is just generally good for eternal formats in general. But like, maybe you're more right than other people, and that solitude is, uh, you know. The cost is high and it is not as powerful as just playing for path to exile most of the time necessarily. Yeah. But like the the positive aspect of, of putting PowerPoints in cards like this is like if the format does devolve to a situation where you need them, they're available. And I think that is something that, you know, people don't really talk about. It's either one extreme or the other, but like, you know, endurance, for example, like Three mana, three, four, flash reach, like solid body, nothing to like be crazy about, right home about. But, um, you know, if Dredge is the best deck and you desperately need turn zero graveyard interaction, then that's a super useful thing to have in the environment. If, you know, if, if Allosaurus Rider, God help us all, is the best best deck in the format <laughs> for, for a minute, then like Solitude is super useful, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, you know, with Emer I mean, giving giving answers to Emrakul too is like really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I actually thought like it, it's weird because like you, you know, I felt like endurance was the hardest one uh, to get the to get or like it's the one that we struggled with the most um, to get right. But at the end of the day, it's probably my favorite of the them. Like, I actually agree with you. I uh, I vividly remember it's like we we had a version that was just broken. Uh, it took two hours to figure that out. And then I don't even remember that. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I think I think Dan and I just like kind of threw this in the file is like, a you know, a placeholder, different numbers, but like the graveyard shuffle effect. 
And then like a week later, I looked at it and I was like, you know, it's kind of grown on me. I kind of like this. Let's 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 see if this can work. And I, I'm really happy with the card. Yeah, I am too. I yeah. like it through and through. I like the react. Like that yeah, was another thing too. Is like I I like the re- like power and reactive cards. I think I mentioned that last week too, and we were talking about. Corey and I were talking about Prismatic. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of it. Prismatic Array or something, maybe? Prismatic Ending, uh, the removal spell, whatever. Yep. It's like putting power into like reactive cards. Uh, I don't know. I think it's can be a... It's not, it's not as bad as putting them into proactive cards. Or not as what risky. I, like. And what I loved about that card, real quick, just as a offshoot for anyone that's interested in things, is that card felt very good as an answer for decks that want answers against you. Like it was just good at, you know, hitting cages or rest in pieces and things like that. Like we, you know, we, when we, when we tried it in mid range or control, it was fine, you know, but I, I just, I love, I love PowerPoint. Like you said, like PowerPoints and cards that are answers. Um, but we need to, we need to switch gears though, to a PowerPoint that is a threat because we need to talk about hero of precinct four. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. The general. Yeah. The general, the general. Brian, Brian's favorite card from the set, the general. It yeah. wasn't released by last week. Did you actually land on that being your favorite card in the set? I, so for me, it was a close one uh, between that and actually uh, Torak. I, I don't know. Those are the two that cool. gave me the most joy playing with them. Um, I'll, I'll actually, I don't know if it was just straight Torak. It was the combination of Torak and the shadow creature, Dothy Voidwalker, uh i just felt like that was like the time where i was sitting there testing with cards where i felt like this is like the most fun i'm having uh playing with these cards especially the like just the shadow creature with with torak i don't know it just it was just so much fun to be like kind of spinning the wheel sometimes you're like i'm probably gonna lose if i don't hit something like nasty off the top of my opponent's deck um and like or hit something nasty out of their hand or whatever to be able to then cast with the void walker and i don't know there's just a lot of like tension points with that card and it it just felt like fun magic maybe not for the opponent but definitely for me so i don't know those are the cards that 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 like kind of like black discard type I, stuff I have, I have no idea what you're talking about i love getting him to turokt oh, <laughs> that's like the best way to play magic that is fair i've I'm, I've been on the receiving end in Legacy, and it's it's certainly a joy and each it, and every time. So. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's so much better when that comes with a 4-3 body, right? Yes, yes. It's a high-tension moment. Let's put it that way. It is. I don't know. I think that's fun. Like, some amount of randomness. I know people complain about randomness in Magic, but I think some amount of randomness kind of adds, like, a fun element to the game. So, Oh, absolutely. Ooh, I almost broke my NDA last week, by the way, guys. Oh, intentionally by, by saying what i don't i don't think you should really share that but uh... oh no it's i think it's really funny i didn't actually um so i was i was streaming and they did the first um uh dump on mtg daily or daily mtg and so i just like tuned in and i was listening in it was dan on the show that week uh-huh. and they unveiled Dacon, and i was like oh this is a card and i was talking to my 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 twitch chat I was like, this is a card that Brian loved to play and he used to play it in Snowblade. And like, he kept putting this like seven mana artifact into play. And then we had everyone scouring. Speculating what seven mana artifact No, 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 no. 
everyone in my chat was like going through Scryfall with me trying to find it because I thought it existed. <laughs> and there was no seven mana equipment. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I know it costs seven mana. Like I play it and then like a few days later, I just dropped a few days later, called her a complete, came on. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> kind of a callback to some of the, like to, um, you know, when we were talking about how like a lot of people have like loved this, have loved this set or whatever. That's kind of how I felt when I previewed Chef's Kiss, um, because all of a sudden everyone was talking about Asmore because it's on the art of Chef's Kiss, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, oh shit! Like, did I accidentally preview this other card I wasn't supposed to? Like, I, I almost I felt like bad. I didn't do anything wrong, but it's like that's just like, but. I don't know, kind of just showcased how passionate people were about some of these old characters and stuff. And and it it kind of was really cool to see how like excited people were about some of those cards that like as a competitive player, they weren't like the ones that I was drawn to, but I don't know. That was cool. I just loved seeing how how since preview started, like just how excited people are and like you know, like people thanking me about Merfolk and I felt immediate guilt. I'm like, oh God, what if they're not good? Like, <laughs> what if they're too good? And people like, <laughs> you know, like I, I I have helped make people excited about magic and part of me feels wrong about that. Like that's on me. That's something in my head. So is getting Rashad and Ported, is that a lot like getting him to people who really enjoy it? Is that? Nah, <laughs> I died. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I think I can say this. I tried to get Rashad and Dokkan out of the, out of the set, I think it's a pooper. Nah, it'll be fine. Nah. Oh no, no, I don't think it's gonna be too good at all. Like I think it it it'll be fine. I mean, I think I think it is very good for people that like to do that effect, but I think it's like a white card. <laughs> if you're uh if you're pro-griefing, it is for you. If you're pro-griefing, it is definitely for you. Now now we gotta talk about my my actual bay though, Tide Shaper. That that I loved helping getting into the file. That, that's one of my favorite cards in the set, actually, just because, like, I've been so sick of spreading seas. And, right, right. And I wanted, you know, and and I just loved where this card ended up, where it doesn't work with Vile, because we tried versions that worked with Vile, and they were way too good. Yeah, um, I think uh, Aaron finally came up with the kicker one, which was a really elegant solution. Yeah, yeah, but I just love the idea of being able to get this, like, placeholder out of Merfolk and actually... Well, I mean, you still can play it, and I still was playing it. Um... But Tide Shaper was just so good, and it and worked so well with uh, with like the the Merfolk theme that I think that Svelun I spent a lot of time on. But I think my favorite card I worked on was Tide Shaper, just because like I don't know I want Merfolk to be good again. I think I I already so I kind of sold out of Magic Online when Arena came out, but I've already reinvested on Magic Online, getting ready for Modern Horizons too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, like I've reset up. Like my account is fully stocked with tickets now. Right, just ready to go. Like Hashtag the day I can draw, fully stocked account. <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> yeah, Tide Shaper was another card that we put a lot of time into too. Like all, actually, all the Merfolk cards were were not easy to make. I guess it it, it kind of is a, just a thing where when a card doesn't cost a lot of mana, it's really hard to make it. I feel sometimes. Like, that, right. or at least that was my experience. Cause it's like, you know, this thing costs one mana. There's only so much you can do with it, except for Ragavan, of course. But, you know. Ooh. Is, I think that might be a good segue. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, now we we can definitely talk about Ragavan. Now Ragavan, let me let me get some oxygen in my lungs to read this one. All right, <laughs> Ragavan Nimble Pilfer, one red legendary creature, monkey pirate. Uh, whenever Ragavan uh, Nimble Pilfer deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until end of turn. You may cast that card. Dash colorless red. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, this is Carrie's Ev Monkey from uh, Ixalan Block. And this has been made into a card instead of a token. Uh, Regavan is also now a, a magic card. And this is by far my favorite card. I loved it when I saw it in the set because the flavor is perfect. The abilities are good, but it's also a one mana creature. And uh, and maybe it's super powerful. People are calling this like a busted card, but it's blowing people's like, minds. Yeah, but like we've gotten hit by it. I've gotten hit by it many times and it did not change the game. And also the thing that people have to realize is, you know, it's not it's not like um, Thief of Sanity where you can use any amount of mana. Like you have to use their colored mana. And sometimes you can't even cast the cards if they cost double colors that you're not playing because you need a second treasure to, to actually cast them. Yeah, it, it it's it the that ability to cast that card is is a lot worse than people I think people expect, but making treasures is still really strong. Oh, for sure. Yeah, making treasures of course is strong. I mean, extra mana is great. But we're also at a four bit where I think if you can't interact with your opponent in the first couple of turns, like you already lose, like isn't this the death shadow format? Like people are freaking out about this, but I remember killing people with, you know, one drops before that were a lot bigger. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah. This was. Oh, sorry to jump. In. I was gonna say this is one of the cards that I was like a little nervous about the power level on, but maybe I'm wrong about that too. Please. I mean, I definitely think it's good. Like, it's definitely gonna see play, but I, 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 I guess we're gonna have to wait and see if it breaks things. Yeah, you y'all have touched on my philosophy a little bit as far as this card. It's like I think that for modern specifically, this is a good place to put power points. Like. For example, if if a burn player had played a goblin guide on turn one and they attack you three times without being interacted with, you're probably going to lose that game. So, like, just by default, Ragavan has more interaction points uh, if you're just trying to get blitz down in life total. It certainly does, you know, accrue value. Getting treasure is very powerful. I think this is a very strong card. But, like, if Modern is about attacking more, then I think Modern is in a healthier spot than certainly many other iterations of the format. So... You know, oh yeah, I mean, the, the, com com combat has kind of, for better or worse, I mean, for worse in my opinion, I guess, but like, kind of been pushed a little bit out, and uh, yeah, like you said, like adding more points for attack and making value in that is is where I fell in love with magic. Attacking and blocking is is why I move back to limited sometimes, you know, right. or until Embercleave is gone. Um, you know, I I truly love love that these are where the power points are, and they're not just like messed up spells i would have been way less happy about talking about my time at modern Her working on modern horizons if like i don't know i don't know i don't even have an example i'm just saying like i love that oh i have, I have some examples <laughs> <laughs> cards that are no longer with us <laughs> yeah the, the internet is very bring back splinter twin i don't really understand that i don't really want to get on a tangent about that but i, well, I, I, I don't I get just, that i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> grab the tangent and just drop it in a second what people need to understand is that combo control is a broken mechanic in magic. It's just, it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's a strategy that breaks magic by its fundamental, the way it's played. And so combo control decks just are always going to be too good. They're going to find a way, right? We just banned one in historic. 
Uh, I would like to. Well, cr- okay, we banned the better that version because I'm still playing that deck. Woo! Yeah, let's go, <laughs> Brian. We just read last night. We just registered for the uh, strict saving championship. The strict saving championship, and and Brian's running it back. Okay, just just uh, just chase all the way. Yeah, it's it's uh, not overpowered. <laughs> we'll say that, but it's still probably. I, I think it's still a good deck. I, I actually was skeptical about banning uh, whatever it was, Oracle and not Tainted Pact, but. At least now it feels like it's fine. So we'll see. Off topic, but <laughs> sorry. But yeah, like uh, you know, that Ragavan might be incredibly powerful, but to me, it is emblematic of like so- something that we should be putting a lot of power into. Like uh, I-, I was a big proponent of trying to push some domain uh, designs for the set, like Territorial Kavu and Cyan of Draco. Which we we put a lot of effort into uh, in the FFL, but I felt like it was worth it just to try to encourage people to start attacking more, put more removal spells in their deck, etc. Yeah, Territorial Kavu was my preview card. Yeah, actually, uh. I I feel like those two specific cards were the ones where kind of we clashed the most as competitive players versus FFL stuff. Where like we, I know Brad and I felt like they were like you know too pushed in a lot of cases. And a lot of you guys were like, well, we, you know, we think it's good if creatures are, you know, creature combat is something that's pushed. So I thought that I, I think that's interesting. The different perspectives there. Sorry to interrupt, Brad. But. Oh, no, I mean, I like where we got the cards like um, a lot. Actually, I, I like these cards where they're at now and the, and they excite me to try to build these decks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm always scared of just too big, too fast in general because then you can just pair them with thoughtseizes and stuff yeah and thoughtseize is like a, a necessary evil but i i usually want the thoughtseizes to take the big effects not protect them um yeah, I, I think we it was it was good for y'all to be so skeptical and push back when was required and like you know it never it never got heated or anything it's just like it was good debate about the merits of these types of things and i'm really happy with the work y'all did. Oh, so think, we I can't think... talk about the heated days <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think these cards ended up in a good spot so when i went off or on a rant where i was like fuck you michael majors just <laughs> you in particular <laughs> nobody else that's no, not that something we're that supposed was, to talk about that was, <laughs> that was the message fuck you michael majors and nobody else yeah. chef's kiss yeah that's right <laughs> 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 oh the last thing I do want to talk about, and since we've got you on the show, that's that's the best way to talk about it, because I don't know. I, I don't want to cross any lines, and I don't think we will. But my favorite day while working there was the squirrel day, was the day we finally put the squirrel deck together, and we all said, uh-oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny day that just this, like, modern, it was like Modern Horizons pre-constructed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it was just beating the shit out of every established modern deck. I want to kill the squirrel, but then I'll take 10 damage next time from squirrels. So... Uh, I, I can't remember exactly how the cards were shaped, but yeah, I, I certainly remember this day. It was... Um, I think Aaron was very excited about it at first, and then he like hung out for an hour and watched some games and was like, okay, this is messed up. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was this or if it was something else, but I just remember once I'm like, Aaron, let's sit down. And I attack him on like turn three or four with something. 
And he's like starting to run combat math. And I'm like, it's 42. And he's like, what up? What's 42? I'm like, you're going to take 42 damage. And he's like, okay, let's, uh, let's change these cards. I'm like, great, let's do that. It's like the old creator of things like, ah, so like, what do I have? I got a two life or something. It's like, now you get a negative 70 life. Like, yeah. (laughs) And that's, uh, that's certainly a good lesson to learn is, uh, don't, don't underestimate the, the pushed linears that you're trying to execute on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because, like, it's so easy. Just one little change on a card can completely uh, mess it up. And that is that is the best lesson I learned. Um, I remember it because uh, Adam Prozac sat all of us down and we had meetings, like, 30-minute talk with him in the first week. Kind of like a, this was a very crash course introduction in what we're going to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we had these little meetings with people just to help us get on our path because we didn't have enough time to go through a full introduction to everything. But we got we got some really good crash courses. And one of them that he gave me that made a lot of sense is we see the iterations that the public won't. And and I'm usually the public. So like a tireless tracker is just a tireless tracker to me. Right. And it's always going to be a tireless tracker. But here, you know, we could change cards. It's like it's like Saloon. We could say it's too good. Let's make it four mana. Well, that might make it that could completely change it. Right. Like. So much that 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 you can't just change one little dial and just expect that the card is going to be what you think it's now going to be. Yeah. And, and uh, sorry, uh, sorry, finish your point. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying that, like, you, you know, like when we were there, when we changed the card, we had to think about it as a completely new card sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, Instead of just like running back the same thing, but with the kind of nerf, because it might change an interaction. There might be a new card that can be played with it now. And these these little things, at least for the time I was there, I felt like were very important to try to, like, not just cut those corners, because that's that's how you could just go from a card being exactly what you want it to be to being either too good or too bad or not fun or, you know, too fun like squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) It's a guy. Everyone's just having too much fun. Let's get. Can we go back to Torak, please? (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite. Just just always keeping your eyes open to things. Yeah, and I, and I felt like on the flip side, sometimes just changing one little thing did make a big difference. Like, like for example, like with General Ferris, a uh, card that I put played a lot with and I thought was like a pretty fun card. Um, was like It was where I, I looked at the uh, card list for the very first time, and I just was genuinely excited to see that card. And, and I was like, I that is a card that I want to play with in Modern. Like, I just... I'm happy to see it on the file. Like it was, I, I didn't expect to feel that way, like going in, you know, like just that kind of thing, but you know, turning like some of the dials on that card, I felt like just made it from being kind of an unfun play pattern in a lot of ways to being an actual fun card that had some amount of like good counterplay to it. And I don't know. I just, I thought that, that was an example where sometimes just turning a dial, I don't know, was a little easier than not. I don't know. Yeah, if, if I recall correctly, I, you know, I, I think we can be candid about this one. I, I believe it was uh, protection for monocolored. Yep. And you, uh, you were playing with it, and you really enjoyed it. And you're like, "This is super fun. My deck is cool, but this play pattern kind of sucks." But like, I still want to keep most of the power. How can I do a slight adjustment? And we came to hexproof, and it's like, well, it still has resiliency, but it's not just like a you know like a true name nemesis type of thing. It doesn't just dominate combat and have an ability. Yep. So yeah. like that's that's a great way, or you know, a, a great recognition on your part of like 
I can keep the fun. I can keep most of the power, but I can remove an unfortunate play pattern. Because, so, like, yeah, the lack of fun there was like, I don't have a multicolored card to cast, so I'm not getting value out of it, but it's still dominating combat. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. One of the cards I loved working on the dials to figure out exactly what's perfect was a land in the set. Um, and it, it it's actually Cabal Coffers. <laughs> yes. I really loved working, you know, figuring out those <laughs> dials was... <laughs> It was just that's like how, quite difficult. Scalding Tarn too is a tough one to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I did like that. I felt comfortable enough there too. I mean, this was you know I was getting paid for a job to come in, and but I still felt comfortable enough that when y'all were working on Urza Saga, I just peaced out. I was just like, <laughs> I am not a part of this. I do not. <laughs> this just does not interest me. I know you all love it. It's not my thing. <laughs> not me. <laughs> it's not me. I'm going to peace out and I'm going to work on my fishies. <laughs> I feel like that was one that maybe me and Aaron Forsyth were the only ones who did like it. Versus <laughs> Saga, but yeah. I, I, I always do love that. It's like, you know, the pitch about the card and I'm like, I don't really get it. And then I get the pitch. I'm like, I still no, I get that part of it. Like I get the joke, but I still don't get it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Like I, that's the thing about magic that I just love. Like, and one, like it was, it's cool seeing these cards. Cause it's like, you know, we get to see them in a different context than we saw them before. Like when phantasmal Dreadmaw got previewed i kind of lost my mind because like the flavor text wasn't there you know when we were playing with it and i just i love the flavor text on that card it's just, are you familiar with this one majors uh the flavor text of of yeah yeah i have definitely seen it let me i'll pull it up right now yeah so it's it, it's just a straight throwback to like one of the earlier versions of phantasmal dreadmaw mm -hmm. where the flavor text was or of Colossal Dread. Colossal Dread mode, where the flavor text was like something about being like the most terrifying thing that they had ever seen or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's Captain Larry Storm saying this is perhaps the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Right. Or Colossal Dreadmaw. So then I saw Phantasmal nice. Dreadmaw and was like, that was perhaps the most terrifying thing I thought I almost saw. And I don't know why, <laughs> but I just lost my shit. Like, just, I don't know. That plus the art, I just thought it was so fucking good. It's like... That was just an experience that we didn't have there, so it's still cool to. See oh, I have stuff. a extreme, extremely deeper appreciation for magic art after working at Wizards. I mean, especially for you know, like same here. Lean and Skyhunter art is amazing. <laughs> Aether Vile art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scum scumbags. Can we talk about that or not? <laughs> sure. I don't know. Okay, sure. I don't know. Perfect. So we just, you know, we we play and there's a there's a way to print cards. And for some reason, like a lot of cards one day were just having Leon and Skyhunter art. So all the cards in my deck had Leon and Skyhunter art. Um uh and and they get introduced into the files in some weird way. But my favorite was the day where I I just made some kind of Jun deck and I grab it and I look at the fatal pushes and Yargle's on them now. Like I, I I couldn't. I, I actually couldn't process it. Like I was like, "That's Yargo, right? Like that the the, the Dominaria card. Like, why is it on this card? And it's why is this art?" And I finally asked someone, "It's like, oh, you don't know about Yargo Day?" And I'm like, "What the hell is a Yargo Day? Like, <laughs> what is happening?" Oh man, that it, that was it was a secret layer art, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, the, okay, on okay. on on September third of last year, nine three, uh, they released uh uh 
the Yargo collection, and Yargo was on a bunch of different cards. I don't remember any of the other ones. I just remember seeing it on Fatal Push and it blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> it was just great to just have random ass art on cards. Like, yeah, I don't know. That was that was that was fun. But what, what's cool though? What's honestly cool is I didn't know that the file we were close to the end, and so like a lot a lot of this art I remembered. A lot of the cards are the same. Like that's the coolest thing for me is because like. I saw all this stuff, but it didn't matter to me because I was just focused on the dials, right? Right. And so then once it all comes out, like this rush of nostalgia, which is weird for new cards, hit me, and I've never experienced that before. And 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 that's the coolest thing about working on 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 the set for me is just like your babies are all grown up. Yeah, I mean that's what they even said. I think Dan said that on like day one. It's like you're the he like or someone maybe it wasn't Dan. Someone said to me it's like the first day the first time a set that you worked on comes out is kind of your like that that's your graduation day. Mm -hmm. I was kind of worried about that experience. Like, cause just, you know, having seen, especially with uh, at least my social media where it's like a lot of competitive players. Sometimes there's a lot of like negativity surrounding new sets where it's like people dislike a lot of car, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And, and I've seen some of that, but um, for the most part, I've been, kind of surprised and pleasantly so like people's like appreciation for a lot of the stuff in the set i don't know it's 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 really like made me happy in a way even though like you know like i just had a minor role on a lot of the stuff it just it it, it was kind of really cool like it was just an awesome experience to be able to have that uh, it should uh, i'm, I'm yeah, glad to hear that speaking of that though about about that specifically like i'm not telling anyone how they should see or feel it just was shocking to me that a lot of people just like chose to to die on the Garth one eye hill. I was like, of all the things that you could like be upset at Wizards about, like we all just lost our jobs last week, is Garth one eye? Like really? Like that's what we're arguing about right now? God, I'm so I'm so happy this car changed. That's the jumping the shark moment. Like, <laughs> oh man, it was it was everywhere. Everyone was so argumentative about Garth one eye, and I look at that and I'm like. It doesn't apply to me. I don't care about it. I'm done with it. I'll never think about it again. I mean, he had two <laughs> eyes until they canceled Pro Magic. I think that was the big thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Oh God. Yeah, the card looks really cool. I don't even. I never paid attention to it. I. It might have not. It might have changed. It might not have changed while I was there. I don't remember. It. It changed. It. Uh. It had a line of. It had a text box that was very convoluted and made me sad. And I'm. I'm much happier that this version exists. Yeah. Oh, I hope I get to do that in limited once. Like, is there a lot of fixing this set? I don't remember. Yeah, there's like a common basic land cyclers. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah, there's enough. Rules. There's oh, yeah, the, paradise. Yeah, also oh though there's converge there converges in the set. I'm along with every other keyword ever made. Yeah, but. that's that's a part of it. But yeah, there is there is converge. I remember playing I remember I remember like doing one draft and then I sit down and I'm like, my deck looks okay, but we'll see how it goes. And I don't know how many times uh, Jadine drafted the set, but she had like a converged deck and just beat the crap out of me. I'm like, well, this, this really is like every other limited experience I've ever had. <laughs> 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 this feels like I'm at my local game store playing limited. That was, that was kind of fun where it's like we did some drafts and I, I had a lot of fun with them and I was winning with the decks I was drafting. 
And Brad's like, well, I'm, I, I owe two drops and like my next fucking ass. This is your job. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't drop. I had to come back. <laughs> well, I do. My, my highlight is is uh, is uh, I think I'm the one that got this off the, the card. But for a while, Yersi had haste. And uh, I just like was in a losing position and just played it, flipped five one and just won the game on the spot. And I'm like, yeah, that was that was good. <laughs> like that was way too good. <laughs> like with with my luck, what was it like seven percent chance or something? Twelve percent chance. What is okay? It's uh right. You have to flip all five coins, so it's I don't know. It's one half to the fifth. I'm I'm stupid. What is that? It's like three three percent, right? Or it's three percent. Like okay. Well, I did it. And then I immediately won the game. Uh, before I ran around the entire office high five in everyone. That's right. <laughs> I do I'll never that. be invited that. back again. <laughs> 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 Everyone's at their desks working and I'm just running by high five in everyone. Nah, it's good. It's, it's, it's good for the work culture. We love it. Yeah, no, it was it was a blast though. I, I had I had so much fun at Wizards. Um and I'm I'm so glad we got the opportunity and just to work with you again, Majors. It's been it was forever before we hung out, and it's felt like forever since. It was awesome. It was a really great experience. Uh, you know, I was hoping we would uh, get to run into each other at some Grand Prix or something. Well, you know, hopefully soon. We'll see. I I'm I mean, yeah, within I mean, in a year or something. I mean, I definitely think that I, I not think I hope I hope that some tournament organizers will take the risk on having some tournaments and do a shit ton of team tournaments once we can actually start running tournaments. Cause I am in need of team tournaments, right? I don't want to go to a tournament hall and just play alone. Do you remember when there's too many team tournaments? Like, can we please stop? Was the kind of common consensus <laughs> a while back? I mean, I understand it for some reason. I want to get into that now. Um, I know, 0%, 0%. That's going to be the sentiment. Oh yeah, no, people are, I mean, I just, I feel like a lot of people feel that too, right? Like yeah. a team tournament sounds so good right now. Well, Absolutely. I'm just saying like, that was the case like a couple oh, yeah. years ago. It's just, it's so weird to see, you know, like how quickly that changes. Yep. Yeah. God, we, we could do another modern tournament majors where I get the good deck, you get the bad deck and you still have a better win percentage than me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember that one. When I played KCI? Yeah, I think you did better than me. Oh, I don't know. I, I barely knew how to play that deck. It was way too hard for me. Was that, like the, was that the original, like, really, really hard version of the deck? Yes. yes. It, was, yeah. it was before anyone had figured out, like, the actual, like, loops and stuff. And it was just, it was, it was rough. It was like week one. Yeah. 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 Pa Pascal played that deck on our team. And legitimately, I was incredibly impressed with how well he played it because it was such a hard deck. Like, I remember going through, like, a 15 minute, I don't mean to get off on this tangent, but it's just funny. I, I got, I got, a, like, for 15 minutes, I, like, was looping the deck, but it wasn't, like, necessarily going to lead to a win and then i finally figured out like after i've been taking my turn for literally 10 or 15 minutes that like i should have destroyed one of my permanents to like an engineered explosives like a year ago and i was just like <laughs> I, i'm sorry <laughs> just like see it it's just like oh no it was just too much for me oh i, I just the only thing i really remember from that tournament was we got one of the elusive uh benes uh gamer match losses gamer what? match losses i don't remember this Ben, yeah, one of the times that Ben just didn't show up because he was getting Chipotle or Subway. Oh, nice. Really? You were the recipient yeah. of this. Oh, yeah, man. we were the recipient of that, and then I beat Efro. <laughs> um, 
and and Efro couldn't do anything, and I was taking way too much time figuring out my Death Shadow stuff. Oh my god! And, and I was tilting Efro because like I was taking forever, and he had nothing. You know. See, that's the um, joy of a team term. You just show up. You don't know how to play your deck. Your teammates are unreliable. They might not even show up to the matches. Yeah, it's just oh. camaraderie all around. I mean, at least, you know, we'll always have, yeah, that was Texas, right? And then we, then we spent a week in the house. That was fun. That was a good time. That was was a great time. We'll have to do that again soon, but thank you majors for being on this week's episode. Um, you know, working on modern horizons was awesome. What, what do you have to say, Brian? Oh, I wanted to just ask one parting question to majors. If there's any like cards, uh, from the set, like what, what are your favorite like cards from the set? Oh yeah. from a designer and or player standpoint, I'm just, I'm interested. You know, like um, anything you're like super proud about, super like vice versa. I guess. Big fan of endurance. We kind of touched upon that. Just like elegant, yeah. uh, you know, good utility. Certainly no risk of being problematic. Uh, Thrasta Tempest Roar is a card I'm super a fan of. I had a blast mm-hmm. playing FFL with that. Um, got to use my, my favorite legendary as a knob. Love doing that because it makes the card cooler and weakens it. There's a little uh, designer cheating for you. Let's yep. see. Um, I love Karmic Guide. I mean, that's a reprint, but I think that card is just rad. So it's not Murkot, uh, uh, Murkride Regent. Murkide Murktide Regent. Murktide Regent. Murktide Regent. Um, it's the flying that's also, delve. It's also one of the cards that I worked on. Oh, that dragon. Yeah, I mean, that, that card's cool. I'm, but I'm joking. You don't have to handle me. It doesn't, it doesn't do much for me. I love Timeless Dragon. I actually love this card. Yeah, I was afraid same. it would be like, I was afraid it'd be like, this doesn't have really a role. It's just kind of like a joke or whatever. But that, that card really grew on me. Oh, I love the the Eternalized, the old, like, I the new Eternalized cards. Just from my, like, outside, like, an expert view i think that might just be like the best design card in the set i don't know sure kind of how i feel like this is such an awesome card yeah uh-huh. i definitely love that and eternal lies witness whatever <laughs> whichever one that is what it's called i don't know brad was telling Time, me that timeless witness cabal coffers was the best design card in the set i mean we worked hard <laughs> on it i mean there was there was five different colors we could have chosen from we could have chosen colorless true it's it's not often I can say this, but I actually love all the planeswalkers in the set. Yeah, same, same. I think Grist is super cool, really fun deck building incentives. I really didn't even work on Gadron uh, at all, but I think uh, I think Sam and you, Brian, put a lot of work into that, and I'm really happy with how she turned out. She's cool. Yeah, minor plug, but I'm pretty sure those are like the abilities I submitted for that card. So awesome. I'm pretty happy with it, and I think it, I hope it's a fun card for people. But yeah, uh, this is. You know, it, I'm sure most folks aren't really familiar with the character, but those who are, are probably like, this is so freaking rad. But like, uh, this basically was like a top-down design. It's like, well, this character has this power suite involving corrupting things. So like, what can we do with that? And then I, I think y'all did a really great job. It looks like it's going to be so much fun to play um, in limited. Like, I don't play the formats where this is going to, the power is going to shine, the constructed formats. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this clearly doesn't look like it's going to be good in modern. Maybe it is. Um, but it does seem like it like it could be very good in other formats. I'm just gonna say commander, maybe. That's the dump that I always go to when I don't know what a card does. Sure. Probably I, good in commander. I mean, I, I think oh. just like this is gonna be a beloved cube card too. It's one of the cards I mostly want to open and draft. Because the gameplay seems like so cool. 
just so unbelievably cool. It's been a long time since I felt like I could play a game this way. Right. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I loved that y'all got a unique take on, you know, a planeswalker protecting themselves without killing things or making tokens. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I, I just think that it's such a cool, like it feels a ver- like a very Grixis-y thing. I don't yeah, know. Like, absolutely. Just a lot of times I've played Grixis decks where it's like, I have all these creatures that, you know, do cool things when I hit my opponent or something like that, but they don't really play defense that well. I feel like a lot of Grixis games that I've played kind of devolve into like, I have control of the game, but it's, it could easily slip at any point in time. So I got to close it out. I don't know. Felt like that was something that did the same kind of similar feeling to it. Well, cool. Well, I think, I think that's all the time we have with Michael majors today. Um, You got a busy life and you got busy stuff to do. Um, but thank you so much for being on this episode with us. We truly appreciated the time that you took to come in and talk about, you know, the experience, the shared experience we had working on the set being kind of our, our, I mean, I think Dan was technically the boss, but I considered you the boss. Um, you know. Uh, so probably like first, he's, he's good cop on bad cop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, you guys are awesome. Honestly, working with both of you was just phenomenal. I think you guys, you like I didn't ex- I didn't know how good you guys could possibly be at what you did there. Um and it makes sense cuz I think, you know, like you both were awesome in the magic scene and then there you were just phenomenal. So it was great to work with both of you and um I'm super happy to have that experience and to have you on the podcast and hopefully soon another team tournament. I mean, I will go fuck around with you. I we we'll die on whatever sword you want to, ma'am. I love um, it. I'll do whatever. I appreciate the kind words and it was really a a joy to work with both of you and and Sam as well. And, you know, I think we did good work and made an awesome set. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, before, before we go, before you're gone, I just want to shout out, uh, you can find Michael majors on star city games. Uh, do you write weekly, right? Yep. All right. So yeah, Michael majors writes weekly. And in fact, one big plug is a while back, you wrote about a Nia adventures deck that kind of took months to take off. And I'm actually registered that for the, the strict saving championship. Well, you know, I'm washed. So people don't respect me anymore. It's cool. I well, get they, it. They definitely <laughs> should. I mean, Michael Majors is one of the best deck building minds in the game. It's one of the reasons why, I mean, I think it's one of the skills that got you into wizards in the first place. And you were one of the most valuable members of our teams when we played. So go read his stuff on star city games and Michael, thank you for having for being on the show and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. All right. And now we can get into our cast and crew. That is right. This is to all of our wonderful patrons and supporters of the Bash Bros podcast. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, I think we could, but we don't want to do it without you. Let's, let's go with that. Um, well, we, we do, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, we still have Corey on here. Okay, we'll we'll, let's, we'll just go every other. That's what Corey every, and I did. Let's do it. Perfect. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, first up, we got Steve, who's our general counsel and chief legal analyst. We'll definitely need this counseling after talking about Modern Horizons 2 and all the breaches of contracts that we've, uh, we've yeah. done in this episode. I don't think we'll be able to use Majors as our flag bearer, so we're going to need Steve. Yeah, and... I'll just throw this out here. I feel pretty happy. I think I, I think we broke our NDA less than ten times, so pretty good numbers. Oh, but that's that's great. Not even in the double digits. No, 
Perfect. All right, then we got DJ, who is our general counsel and chief legal analyst. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's our uh, the official copycat. Uh, just not original in any way, but just copies. No, just yeah. I mean, I, I I copied homework when I was a kid. I I you know I copy I copy teammates' deck lists. I feel like I was I the nerd it. who got copied off of, but. Well, you're just a super smart person that got copied off of. Eh, I don't think that is true. Well, anyway, Bino <laughs> Gautista. Uh, did we did we do did we, we not never update this one? This now. Perfect. Well, so Bino, sorry to say, but you, you you were broken out of prison by your brother Gino Batista and was immediately contacted and hired to run the Hearthstone's esports department. Um we will get to, you know, hopefully you have a new job next week when we're a little more organized. I didn't realize this was a rerun episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, they're all reruns. We regurgitate all of our content. Yeah. I liked it better when I saw it uh, without the ads on TNT, but, you know, teach their own. <laughs> all right, we got Esther Rudy. That is our business analyst. Uh, I don't really know what that means, but... It's, well, it's you, you just just you know synergy and business and and, you know, ethics and ethics, uh, yeah, yeah, and and making the world a better place, right. one plastic bottle at a time. Co-op, All right, co-opting, uh, <laughs> Fuse, fusing <laughs> consumer market spaces. Oh, uh, yeah, God. yeah. S. Rudy's got them all. <laughs> Next up, we got Inside Esports, who is our esports event organizer on MTG Melee. This coming weekend, they have uh, another historic 5K, I believe, on Saturday. We will hopefully still be busy in the Strict Saving Championship. But if you are not in that tournament, go check out uh, MTG or go check out Inside Esports on MTG Melee. They've got daily tournaments at this point. And we have Ian Pisella, which is our leading resident Pastafarian, which has taken a huge nerf with the printing of Solitude. I don't get it. Emrakul. Oh, yeah. The old big Shit, pasta yeah. monster. The big pasta monster can be targeted now. It's true. It's sad. It's some sad times, but I'm happy about him, actually. And I'm more happy with Wappa, who is my personal barista and dog walker. Won't walk BBD, but will make both of us coffee. True, yeah. And we're both indulging on it right now. Well, I finished mine, but... I'm taking a sip of a very cold cup. Yeah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be getting a refill after we're done with this. Yeah. Says Adham, our ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really not his most inspired work, that particular line, but it's in there, so... I mean, Adam, I mean, had a few bangers this episode. He did. I he particularly did. liked the one about Cabal Coffers and all the other jokes that I had. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not because of me. It's because of Adam, of course. Correct. It is. <laughs> Next up, we got David Watt, who is our special guest screener. And uh, did you did all right this week, Brian? Thank yeah, you. I got to say, yeah, you were great. I mean, as far as special guests go and new people on the podcast, you were fantastic. You know, I, I really appreciate that David reached out to co-host the podcast, Michael Majors, this week to really brainstorm who to bring in. And the fact that it was me chosen, truly honored. So, yeah, it's it's wonderful. It was, it was fantastic. Speaking of things that I'm also honored about, that would be Paul Ka Sarowski. 
You had one. Had one in the holster the whole time. Been sitting on that one for weeks waiting for this. He's <laughs> he's wall staring photographer, so I I gotta say, been doing a lot of wall staring lately. Been doing? I've been brown doing a lot of wall staring. <laughs> suffering through existential crisis after another, where all you can do is stare at the wall. So Oh, I hear you, man. I uh I'm we're about to move and I'm about to see people the first time and I'm very scared of that. I didn't realize that like being at home for an entire year and wearing a mask, you know, isolates you from from the outside world. But that that agoraphobia, I think, is kicking in. Yeah, I feel it. Oh, yeah, I am. I am nervous to death to see friends and family. That's a weird place. I should talk to my psychiatrist again. Uh, Anyway, we got Phil next, which. uh, Which. um, Phil is. um, Philism. That's a weird word. Philism. That's a nice philosophy that you got there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm not I'm not trying to fill any content, (laughs) you know, some filler. Yeah. Bullshit. So JP Um, is Mangu's timestamp finder. That's perfect. I think I think I mean, JP's it's probably at the beginning, just point zero zero one seconds. That's that's where the content starts this week. Yeah, this is uh, multiple weeks running where we haven't really given JP much work. I don't know. Maybe next uh, week we got to talk some real ass, just just <laughs> horrible topics unrelated to magic, just real shit. Like, oh, I'm I am in. I am in for the shit. God, next week, next week, like, oh my god, and then I won't be here for the week after. Oh, or the oh my god, this is getting scary, Brian. The move is happening so soon. I'm getting, and we've got Sultan Abasi, who is the designated matador, which we both know who that is this week, right? Regavan, true. Regavan Nimble Pilfer, true. We could have we could have went with Ignoble Hierarch, which is one of the coolest cards. Um. Somebody asked me if I actually play test with like Noble Hierarch and I'm like, I did, but I never once tried to change the card, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's like <laughs> you it, can't it, change it. Yeah, you can't. You, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it destroys the joke, but definitely Regavan is our designated man of dork this week. Oh, is that me next? Uh, Eric, yeah. Eric Nall, and that is the BBP trash man. And... Yeah. Let me tell you, we both have a lot of trash as we're we're cleaning up our house. True, true. I was I was gonna go exactly there. There is a lot of trash being thrown out as we speak in the old Nelson Dewan household. There is. There's so much garbage running around here. It's crazy, dude. I never run. You don't have to lie to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly moving trash. Mm. All right, next up, we got Garmeldi, who is our merch store manager. Um, we showed Michael Majors, I think, on the pre-show, our yeah. merch store, and he loved he loved the uh, the, the the one shirt. The that will seasons. be sent, the four-season shirt, which will be sent out to everyone that is on that tier this week. That got shipped out, so everyone's going to get a four-seasons shirt that is on that tier. Hopefully, you all love it. And we have Gare to thank for that. Finally, we found the only other person besides myself who loves that shirt. Thanks, Michael Majors. All right, <laughs> we got Patrick, and that is our office party coordinator. And uh, yeah, he's he's got a lot to work through with our collective 
uh, fear of social interaction at this point. So, yeah, the 26th, I'm hoping the, the 26th, I'll be back in Roanoke for a party. So you better get that ready. And, and by ready, I mean, like, give me an excuse to leave immediately from my own, you know, welcome home party. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Filippos Galenis, who is my soundboard operator. I keep forgetting to save all of my things. So right now it's barren, but Filippos is going to pull some stuff off the internet. Maybe. So I'll have something next week. I should probably just, you know, work on that. Was that the last one? Because I don't want to have to fucking do this shit anymore. I to fucking do this. I missed it. Ah. I was rushing to it. I was rushing to it. Uh, I tried to pause, but not long enough. All right. We got Laura. That is our CEO. Uh, He is the head honcho of the old BBP operation. If you know what I'm talking about. I I don't actually know what you're talking about. I I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I have. No clue what you're talking about, in no, fact. I don't, I don't either, yeah. All right, and then up next, we've got Victor, who is my first place trophy holder. And, and is he going to have a new trophy to hold after this upcoming weekend? Probably not, yeah, but also, yeah, of course not. <laughs> but also, I've packed all of my trophies away at this point, so, oh, like, shit. there's no trophies to hold. You can hold a box. You can hold a box at this point. Ah, that's... Beggars can't be choosers, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Victor. There's no. There's no way someone begged for this job. True. Of all jobs you could have, it wouldn't be my first place trophy holder job. Speaking, there of, is a job. There's a job that there's involved a lot of begging, though. Yeah. Speaking of begging and jobs, uh, there is Doctor Unks, the resident proctologist. Why that is an essential, labeled an essential worker, actually, but why that is an essential job. Uh, for a podcast about magic beats me. <laughs> well, I mean, anal health is important. It is. Especially with all the shit that goes in and out of this one. Just always the butt of the joke. Hey, uh, and then we do have one last to, to announce Eric, another Eric uh, just got part of the cast and crew, but they haven't went through orientation yet so they don't have a job yet so respond to your email eric you know who i'm talking to respond to us on patreon and we can get you working our hiring process is very robust <laughs> it's extremely very robust. robust here at the bbp all i gotta do is message <laughs> us we're desperate anyway that's the show everyone thanks for listening um we'll be back next week uh, with another episode. And then the next couple of weeks might be a little challenging for us since we're both in a moving process. Cause like, I just real, I just realized that, uh, the, uh, we'll record on the 16th, but I have movers on the 15th and yeah, the, the next few weeks might be a little challenging. We'll figure it all out. Cast and crew. We love you all. Uh, and you know, hopefully we'll be uh, situated. One of these next episodes, I'll probably just have to record with Corey because I won't even have my setup. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out, though. We'll definitely get it figured out. Thank you, though, for listening. And we'll see you next week with another episode of the Bash Bros Podcast. See you. Peace.